that left me now with a choice to turn in my friends or to be a part of this horrible crime. And I'm not going to be a part of this horrible crime. The only way to not be a part of the horrible crime is to discover the truth and to pursue it. Horizontal protection is the only way to ensure that all those who report wrongdoings in the interest of the public do not suffer from any sort of retaliation. They are attacking journalists. Uh, they use it to attack uh, the whistleblowers. You know, the people who should be in prison usually get promoted, and the people who blow the whistles go to prison. We have it upside down. Hello and welcome to my podcast, Counter Accounts. I am Samar Riaz and thank you for your interest in my show. In this podcast, I invite whistleblowers, investigative journalists, officials from the public, private and NGO sectors, and different researchers and scientists who have either dealt with or confronted the dominant narratives in our society. So let's hear their stories. In this episode, I had a conversation with Stephanie Chibot, who once had an important position in the UBS bank in Switzerland, where she dealt with high net worth clients and wealthy individuals. She also arranged important meetings and events for them and the bank, but then she was asked to delete some data. Instead of complying, she became a whistleblower. So let's hear her story. Stephanie, welcome to my show. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your background, please? Sure. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for having me here with you. Well, my name is Stephanie Gibault. I'm French and I was a specialist in marketing and communication. As such, I was hired by UBS, uh, the bank UBS, the Swiss bank UBS, but to work in France when they opened uh, their offices in 1999, so it was uh, 25 years ago. And as such, I was uh, one of the first employees, uh, executives uh, hired to develop the bank in France. And the strategy was uh, obviously that the bank would comply with all the laws in France, all the rules, mm -hmm. and would obviously uh, have nothing to do with uh, Switzerland nor any tax paradises. So I was arriving from uh, the world of football. I was working in a football club as a, a communication uh, manager before. And before that, I worked for the American Embassy in Paris. I worked for Middle Eastern investors uh, in Paris as well. And um, well, UBS was interested in my profile because uh, well, I, I handled uh, crisis communication everywhere I had worked. So for me, it was the first time I was working in a group. Because as you know, when headhunters look at CVs, mm -hmm. they're the ones who work for uh, small and middle-sized companies, and you're the ones working for big groups. And obviously, uh, mm. the profiles are extremely different because, and this is what I learned with UBS, as an employee or as an executive, you follow the processes. 
so to come to the point of whistleblowing, when you work in a company like ubs, which is the oldest bank in switzerland, which is the biggest wealth manager, i'm talking here about the the bank which manages the wealth of the individuals, i'm not talking about the asset management nor the the investment banking. so when you work with this this type of company, obviously you trust what you um, uh, are, are being hired for because you have so many processes. So to make a long story short, when I, wherever I was working before, if I had to um, prepare an event, uh, I was obviously responsible for the quotes and then for ordering whatever it was and catering services. Uh, at UBS, I needed three different um, mm-hmm. quotes. Yeah. And they had to be signed by my management. Yeah. And it was the management who was saying, yes, go ahead with this supplier, go ahead with that supplier. Yeah. So according to the number of people you refer to, whether yeah. they were in France or in Switzerland, yeah. you understand at once that everything is being checked, double-checked, what UBS called the 4i yeah. policy. So you believe everything you do. So my job was to develop in France the image of the bank Mm -hmm. Uh, and after Paris we opened offices all over the country. Uh, If you have um, people from Spain who are listening, uh, they did the same with UBS España which opened also in uh, 1999, which was also the case in Germany, which was the case in all the countries where UBS was operating. Mm -hmm. So obviously you work with Mm -hmm. confidence. Yeah. So for 10 years, I organized VIP events and uh, extremely specialized uh, yes, e- events and platforms hmm. uh, for those people who can uh, buy everything they want yeah. because they are the richest people on earth. Hmm. So the, 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 the aim and, was sorry. to offer them... Um, what they could not buy. Sorry to sure. So, sorry to interrupt. So, so these people, these wealthy investors, were they from a particular country or from all over the world? Or most of them were French, obviously, okay. because I'm right. based in France. So obviously, right. you have some American people living in France or some German people mm. living in France. But most of of the clients at UBS France mm. were French. Right. 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 So, after 10 years developing those events, uh, a big bomb exploded in Mm. 2007, which was the Birkenfeld American story in the US, where you had this banker who went and declared to the American authorities that as a banker working for UBS, Mm. his job was to help his clients uh, hide their money in Switzerland and not declare it undeclared um, assets in Switzerland to avoid uh, the American IRS. And this guy started to give interviews saying that uh, when he was um, traveling from a country to another, he was hiding diamonds within uh, toothpaste. Mm -hmm. And as a citizen and obviously as a UBS executive, Mm -hmm. I was like that. What is that joke? Mm-hmm. And the whole of the UBS staff all over yeah. the world 
was flabbergasted. Because in a bank, you have bankers mm. who obviously know those techniques, and you have the staff, which I was part of. Mm-hmm. So obviously, there are many questions uh, yeah. asked by employees. <clears throat> and the only answers was, mm. it's an individual case. Mm. He's American. We are not concerned. Business as usual. Mm-hmm. So this is one fact. But at the very same time, because the top management of the bank was get, getting hysterical with the yeah. media all over the world relating to the case, mm. all the procedures changed, which means that, for example, the Swiss bankers who used to come to our office and meet their clients, yeah. all of a sudden couldn't do it anymore. Right. Swiss bankers who were coming to all the events I was organizing in France right. could not come anymore. We are like, but what is going on? Yeah. Until the day, end of 2007, so 15 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, a new boss was hired to manage my department. As naive as I was, I was like, okay, I have so much work. Yeah. So it would remove the burden of work because I was working, you know, yeah. 70 or 80 hours a week. Mm-hmm. I was traveling all the time um, between offices. And as you know, when you work on events and yeah. communication, you work during the weekend, you work in the evening yeah. to welcome clients on platforms, whether they are yeah. rugby work, a football work up, mm-hmm. uh, a brunch land, tennis tournament, etc. And somehow I was absolutely wrong. Mm-hmm. This person one day entered my office like a hurricane, it was in June 2008, and she asked me to delete the content of all my Excel files. These files contain the names of all the clients of the bank whom I had invited on those events this past 10 years. And what was the reason? What was the reason given to you when you asked why? Or did you ask why? Yes, of course, I asked uh-huh. why, and to quote her, she said, according to the circumstances, because the week before, yeah. the general manager of the bank in France uh, had his office searched. By the authorities, by the, authorities. By the local French authorities. And the real question I have 15 years later, what was this search about? Right. My question was, what was the link between that search yeah. and my job? What was the link between my files and the search? Mm-hmm. Why was this instruction an oral instruction? You know, at UBS, you receive yeah. emails all the time, please do this, yeah. please do that. I never got anything in writing. Yeah. So I didn't delete those documents and those archives <clears throat> because I wondered why they were so angry at me. I felt that I was about to be kicked out, that there was something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. In the forthcoming days and weeks, this new manager asked me if I had complied with her request, but she also asked me to delete the content of my archives, a bit like what you have behind you, you know, I had two two big uh, uh, covers of archives, which was a copy-paste of what were in my my computer. And then I saw that there is something really wrong. Why am I to be eliminated? Mm. I thought the problem was me. Right. So this is 
you know, you had the Birkenfeld story in the U.S., all the process is changing, and I was asked to delete and, my phone. And this happened before the last financial crisis. I mean, we are still going through another banking crisis, but are we talking about 2008, 2008, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Right. Was, yes. Right. Yeah. And do you, think, do you think there were other people that were put into a similar situation as you? Have you met anybody else who, were, who was also in a similar situation? Obviously, and what is really interesting mm. uh, for you and for the people who are going to listen is obedience to the management, right. which means that in, in, in the offices in Paris, for example, you had those massive uh, litters, you know, those massive yes. trash yes. Uh, that you can find in buildings where people toss their litters on a daily basis. Yeah. And those were in the corridors. And uh, I, I, I remember very well seeing people tossing everything their bosses were, were asking them to uh, to delete or to get rid of. And I was the only one who every day took a kilo or more mm-hmm. home. And for six months, I studied all the documents I had because obviously there was something I could not understand. Right. Many journalists have asked me, but why didn't you delete those archives? And the real question to ask is why did all the others comply? Yeah. Why did all the others obey? Yeah. Why didn't the other try to understand what was going on? But here I have and a question for you. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but but no, what no. made you? What made you? Was there some sort of intuition, um, suspicion that you? There must have been something in you coming you know from you or from inside you was there any voice telling you not to do what was it like why did you react differently i then? think it's lots of things as as i said mm. uh, they hired me a, a manager mm. although i was somehow managing my own my, my little team we were three or four mm-hmm. uh, women in my uh, in my department dealing with communication with the media advertising uh, publications, etc., and we we were quite structured and organized. So when I was told six months before that the boss would come and you know somehow manage the the, the team, I was like, oh, it's fantastic news! I'm going to have less work. Mm. But what I understood later, after the arrival of this woman, is that somehow she had the mission to mm. kick me out. I okay. felt, I immediately felt that there was something wrong and that yeah. we would never go on well together. So sure. somehow I was suspicious about her right. being recruited. Namely because in our department we didn't know who she was because sure. we were told it's secret. He, because we thought it was a man, yeah. he is arriving from a competitor where no waves, you know, right. UPS yeah. and banks are like yeah. a world of fish, no, not a single word. Yeah. And when she asked me to delete those files, I thought that, you know, it does not make sense. I said to all the journalists I've met this past 10 years, it's as if you, as a journalist, you were being asked by the management of the newspaper to delete all the articles you have been writing for 10 years. What would be the meaning of yeah. it? Yeah, I mean, also oh. in terms of banking and financials, I mean, you have regulatory responsibility, legal responsibility. I asked mm. for a written mm. instruction, which I never had. Right. And this is where harassment For sure. Started. So what were the, 
Sure. So, so, so you you refused to comply, and then what happened? Like in terms of, were you were you threatened to to be sacked, or, or what, what 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 were those those outcomes of your non-compliance? This is what most of the whistleblowers um, explain: is that when you blow the whistle internally, yeah you are the one to be executed whatever happens even if the management tells you that you know they listen to you very carefully etc the one to be executed is the one who talks the one who asks questions because this is what i did i was i asked what was the link between the search and my job i I asked why i was asked to delete those files without written instruction and then you have a whole process it's uh, yeah. copy-paste somehow everywhere in the mm. big groups. As I said to you um, a couple of minutes ago, I've never worked for a big group. Yeah. So I was I, I was taught with UBS to follow processes. Yeah. And then I understood that everything I had been taught mm. was a joke, mm. was a farce, that all that he's made to protect somehow the interests of a few. And right. you wonder which interest it is. And you wonder why... Nobody in the banks knew what was going on mm. because it's a kind of a trauma, you know. It's it's uh, when you're used to uh, a certain uh, pace, yeah. Uh, for example, uh, then either the pace is being accelerated or it's being lowered. So then you go either to burnout, yeah, or to bore out. Yeah. And this is what happened to me. I was used to travel all the time. Mm. All of a sudden, I was not traveling anymore. Yeah. I used to talk to many, many people at the bank. All of a sudden, I was asked not to send any, any emails to anyone at the bank. Yeah. My boss had to approve that. So somehow she was doing copy-paste of my emails, and she was the one responsible and sending them. You're being taken out of all your responsibilities, little by yeah. little. So, I mean, this so is... Mm. Depression. Sure. When you ask about uh, what kind of damage it that, does. That's really important that we talk about it because one of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast was really capture those human experiences. 15 years ago, the yeah. word, especially in France, I don't know what it was like in Germany, but uh, in, in France mm-hmm. and in Italy or in Spain, I mean, in many, many countries in Europe, the word whistleblower did not exist. We didn't even have a translation for that. It was something which was extremely legal, which nobody had ever heard of. Mm. Um, in the US, as you mentioned, whistleblowing is in the constitution and they are used yeah. to, to this work. Mm. We are not at all. So uh, in 2008, when I was asked to delete those files, mm. I did not even know that I could become a whistleblower because I didn't even know the word. So mm. what it cost me to refuse to delete those archives yeah. And then to fill in a complaint against my employer. Mm. I was a single mother with two children, so obviously uh, I trusted my country, the justice of my country, because I was, fain, I was facing I'm sorry, a company that was yeah. helping yeah. his clients cheat taxes. Mm. As soon as I understood that I was part of that, and that the Birkenfeld story in the US was not an individual case, mm. but that my job allowed Swiss bankers to mm. be in France, mm. meeting with French people, which is absolutely forbidden. Yeah. The first feeling I had was the betrayal I had faced yeah. because I was put at risk by my company. So 
to answer your question directly, what did it cost? It cost me a depression. It cost me uh, depression one or two years and afterwards, and I had kids who were very weak state because they saw how shaken I was. It cost me my career. Mm. It cost me to go to court. I started to go to court. I was the first one. started in 2010. Yeah. Not UBS, the first one who went to court. Yeah. They filled in a complaint against me. Yeah. I won, luckily, mm. and there was no yeah. appeal. Then I won, I won what's called a prudhomme. A prudhomme in France is mm. social, um, when you have a problem with your employer. And yeah. this is it. Uh, they recognized that I had been harassed for three and a half years. I was uh, awarded 30,000 euros, mm. but my legal fees were 35,000 euros. Now, this so is. You a, go to court, yeah. And it's even worse than if you hadn't gone. Yeah. I mean, do you have anything to say? To, I mean, the French, the Germans and, and these other countries, can they learn from the US? Uh, do you think the US is a good model for, for whistleblowers compensation and protection or support? Or, or, or do you think there is something else that needs to be done on a global level? Well one, well, one has to understand what I discovered with my 15 years of fighting. Mm -hmm. uh, who is the enemy? <laughs> I thought 15 years ago that it was UBS right. helping their clients to cheat the taxes. Or I thought it was the clients as well, because obviously they don't pay taxes in the countries they live in. But then when you have a story like mine, when you know that I helped the French government, namely in 2016 with the Loi Sapin, Loi Sapin in France is the law that was passed to fight uh, corruption and to somehow protect whistleblowers, that we, so-called country of human rights, because of this Loi Sapin, were able to have the French Euro deputies put the pressure on the European Parliament for a European directive to be uh, voted for the mm -hmm. 27 countries. Mm. As you know, Britain yeah. is not yeah. it anymore. <laughs> Sorry and, about that. <laughs> and since each country, Spain, yeah. Greece, who the others, uh, Belgium, the yeah. Netherlands, Luxembourg, etc., had to implement those uh, laws. But what has changed? Yeah. Honestly, what has changed is that some people like me have initiated those laws, but we have lost everything while at the same time helping your deputies, senators, uh, deputies, because I've been listened to, uh, mm. uh, audited to everywhere, at the European Parliament, at the Bundestag. I went to Bundestag in 2015. Yeah. And somehow, at which cost? Because for the moment, who wins? Hmm. Is it UBS who's winning? Is it their clients? Who, who, who is? Hmm. And it's extremely complicated to understand that there are people pulling the strings. Hmm. And obviously, if some, a country like France does not want to recognize my actions, it yeah. means that they suffer pressure. Who do they suffer pressure from? Yeah. No, the European... So there is no fund or no protection or support at the EU level for the whistleblower. So, so if there is none, no there such. There are talks. I agree with you. Uh, some there are talks, and there are legal texts now. Right. Okay. But if you take the example of France, which is my country, yeah, the justice system has no money for G7 countries. Extremely surprising. When you go to court, it takes between five, ten, fifteen years 
And then with the appeals, because there can be two appeals, yeah. it can take 20 years. As I said, I was the first one to go to court in 2010. Right. I have won seven trials. Seven trials. Right. And then what is the outcome? Nobody has been willing to hire me because of the communication UBS mm. had in the media. And obviously, as mm. most of the entrepreneurs, CEOs, CFOs, and all the very powerful uh, people in my country and abroad have a chance with uh, UBS, obviously, they stand on the UBS side. Yeah, I, I think it was Deutsche Welle that you, you, you mentioned. When I left the bank, it was terrible. And it was like, quote unquote, you said, I was not alive anymore. What did you mean by that? Everything is done for you to be assassinated, yes, on a social point of view, on an economic point mm. of view, on a legal point of view, on a health point of view. Yeah. So somehow you are being uh, considered as the one who is not well balanced, that you were jealous of your new boss, that mm. everything is made for the burden to be put on your shoulders. However, hmm. it distracts from the core of the problem. What is the problem? Who has allowed uh, French citizens to be able to evade taxes for 50, 60, 70 years? Because now that I worked with uh, uh, the Minister of Finances and I worked with uh, civil servants in the customs uh, department, you wonder where all these people have been all those years. What is the role of the regulators? Mm -hmm. And when you start searching information, you understand that there are many people who do their job very well, who report to the hierarchies, but somehow it's the top mm -hmm. that is aware and takes measures for things not to change. Because when in a company you explain that your colleague steals I don't know, he steals computer, he steals, yeah. I don't know, whatever in company, this person will be sacked and will be kicked out immediately. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah. And you're not considered as a, being a whistleblower. Um, when you talk about little problems, they can be easily sorted out. It's mm. no problem. If someone lies, someone cheats, someone, this is very easy. But when you blow the whistle, so when you tell the truth mm. about very big problems, which are the way the system works, when you talk about bribes, when you talk about, you remember the Me Too with yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the rapes in Hollywood, etc. Then, when you're the first ones, and obviously you are the ones to be eliminated. It's for other people yeah. not to have the same mindset. We are talking about the truth. Is it true? What I'm saying, is it true? Of course it is true. I won seven trials. So why does the yeah. French justice and the French ministers refuse that the law be uh, applied to my cases? Yeah. And somehow it's always the same. Have you ever seen any other whistleblowers in the finance industry in France? Look at the, mm. what happens in Switzerland to mm. people like Rudolf Elmer who go to jail. I had a French colleague who went to jail in Switzerland as well. For blowing whistle? And yes, because they blew the whistle. Yeah. And who supports those people? Mm. Nobody. Because it's extremely scary. It's, um, oh, everyone wonders what one can do. But the best thing to do is to get the information. 
why would Snowden be in Russia? Russia is it the country of human rights? He asked France for asylum. Yeah. Why did France refuse his asylum? And I know I wrote to President Hollande uh, several times about yeah. um, Assange and Snowden. Um, why doesn't Emmanuel Macron, you know, stand against it and uh, decide to welcome those two guys for the image of our country? Mm -hmm. So you see, on one one side, you have very beautiful talks, protecting whistleblowers, passing laws, and the other side is like we cannot do anything. Do you think the regulators regulators are scared or uh, do they not have enough backbone or or strength to face? corporations and whether it's banking sector or military complex or what what is it like that that the regulators or or governments are not supporting uh people like you who are who are saying hey there is something not right here um because we go against their interests if you take for example the finma in switzerland which is the authorities the banking yeah. authorities the guy who was heading uh, the FINMA was called uh, Margaret Branson. Right. Uh, it's public, so you can find it in the media everywhere. He is the one who went and apologized at the American Senate more than 10 years ago because of the UBS tax evasion story. He had a promotion, which means that he was one of the UBS managers so who knew exactly what had happened in the US. Yeah. And he was promoted to head the FINMA in Switzerland. Right. Okay. This guy left uh, the FINMA last year. Now he heads the BaFin, you know, the, the, mm. the, the German authorities yes. of finances. The head of, uh, this is one example, the head of legal and compliance at UBS in France. Yeah. When UBS started being uh, under investigation, she was promoted by the Minister of Finances to head uh, a, special a special service within the French authorities. Right. So how do you want things to work? Because all that is somehow very unknown from the people. The people every day, they listen to news, they open, mm. you know, they turn TV on, they look at, you know, an earthquake here and uh, the coronation mm. of the king there and blah, yeah. blah, blah. But all that, which is their core interest, is somehow yeah. put aside. And when you have those authorities, which are not sane, which are not the one, you know, bearing the responsibilities we think they have, yeah. you cannot understand how it works. Before I, I discovered those two stories between the FEMA, mm. between the French authorities, etc., you see that everyone is accomplice. But the problem is that if you say that, you're seeing, you're being perceived as a conspiracist. Mm. Yeah, but the thing is, what I'm telling is true, mm. because otherwise I wouldn't have won my trials, because mm. otherwise uh, I wouldn't be considered as a whistleblower, because what happened last year yeah. is that I was recognized in France by um, the, the authority um, that I am the first whistleblower under the Loi Vazorman. Well, Vazorman is what comes from the European directive. Right. So I have this statute of first whistleblower in France. Right. It's so you are you are like the first recognized whistleblower from France. Absolutely. Wow. But what has changed in my right. life? Right. Right. Have I been? Uh, yeah. You know. 
officially recognized by you, the justice. Yeah. I mean, do you think media has a role to play in, in amplifying your story? I mean, why media did not... Um, because to be honest, until probably a month ago, I, I didn't even hear about your case. Okay, this is one thing. Mass media are oriented, whatever happens. They needed people like me to make sure that those laws would be voted. Mm. So I spent hours and hours and hours meeting journalists, explaining why we had to protect people. Mm. So obviously it led to that. But they have a prison. They have a focus. They are not here to defend your life. They are not here to um, to help you whatsoever. When I go to court, there is absolutely not a single journalist. Why? Why yeah. aren't they interested in that? Why don't I have any support from NGOs, from political parties? Although they all say that they fight tax evasion, that they want to close uh, tax paradises within the EU, that we are supposed to not to have uh, you know links with uh, countries in the world which are recognized as tax paradises. So why, with the biggest uh, tax uh, fraud mm. in France, mm. isn't anybody interested? And this is where maybe events future events are going to prove me right because I would have been one of the few people on earth standing against the causes of the problems. Mm. Everyone talks about the consequences, yeah. poverty, unemployment, uh, we're talking mm. about rapes, uh, discrimination, racism, violence, mm. drugs, etc., etc. But these are the causes. What are the consequences of all this misery, mm. especially in Western Europe or in the yeah. Western world where we're supposed to be the richest countries ever. And, and this, when you mm. start having this prism, this uh, focus, you are being put aside. Nobody wants to hear a speech like this. It's awfully dangerous mm. for the ones who do not want anything to change. Business as usual. There are reforms, you know, in France, for example, at the moment is reforming our pension funds and pensions yes. for the people. Yeah. Because there is no money. But wait a minute, I have been explaining for 15 years where I know where the money is. Yeah. Why don't we go and get the money where uh, I know it is? Yeah. And this is just another example. Yeah. You know, I explained to you the kind of uh, yeah. incestuous marriage between authorities and between banks. But now I give you another example about those uh, 70 million French people who are in the streets every week, who you know are being extremely yeah. uh, violently repressed by the police yeah. because uh, they have to work longer, until, yeah, absolutely, yeah, longer and because there is no money. Yeah. But how come? The, the, don't the media? Uh, explain the causes of the problems. Of course. No, that's very interesting. My last question, and which I think is really important, and I, 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 and I think it will help others as well. What advice or guidance would you give to people who are currently seeing or witnessing corruption, misconduct? I mean, basically in a similar situation. I sure do. Uh, first, I wrote a book uh, which introduction was written by Julian Assange about cases of whistleblowers mm -hmm. in Europe, and I'm sure that you would be interested in that. 
and I put I put the link in, in the chat. It's in French and in English. Uh, where you will see that everywhere it's a copy paste. People like me who did those actions 10, 15, 20 years mm. ago, all have been assassinated. Either really assassinated, such as Daphne Caruana, you know this uh, journalist in mm. uh, in Malta, because she was. Uh, Yep. investigating about corruption. I remember uh, that, yes. The, the, mm. the, the, the government and people of the government of our country. It's in, somehow impossible because yep. we are just a single individual versus extremely powerful and mean people. As I said, if you want to blow the whistle on something like a colleague who's been cheating, mm. this works really well. But this is not what we are talking about. Mm. When you blow the whistle on the system, because this is part of it, whether you talk about bribes from yep. a big pharma, whether you talk about offshore accounts, it really means it's dangerous. So mm. first of all, is to protect yourself yep. and do not trust anybody. Because everyone you go to, you think they will be helpful. Hmm. But people need your information to control you better after, afterwards. So today, there are many techniques that were not existing 15 or 20 years ago. Uh, namely, you know, that there are leaks all the time. Yes. In the finance industry, we had uh, Panama Papers, yes. the football leaks, the Paradise leaks, yeah. the Dubai leaks, the Mauritius leaks, whatever. Yeah. When yep. you don't know who the whistleblower is, obviously the person or the persons mm. cannot be made redundant, they cannot be fired, mm. they cannot be discriminated, they cannot be isolated, they cannot be assassinated. Yep. So somehow being anonymous will obviously protect you, but protect your partner, your husband, your spouse, your children. Yeah. Uh, etc. Et you know, my dog, for example, was poisoned in our Paris apartment uh, one evening when I was not there. And believe it or not, the door was not open when I came. I just found my dog, you know, laying on the floor. So the, we face people who have means that nobody has. Mm. So protect yourself. Send information mm. to X media in your country and abroad mm -hmm. because we also understand that you know you were talking to me about uh, the interview i get to dw which is in germany yeah as i'm french and it's very interesting to see that when it is not in your country it can put more pressure on yeah. uh, the people you face in your own country but one thing is do not trust anybody mm -hmm. including lawyers because it's extremely complicated to mm -hmm. understand the links that are being uh, pulled behind closed doors mm. Mm. in Spain, in France, in England, in Belgium, in Germany, etc. And we have come to the conclusion that somehow, because the system work, works the way it, it does, mm. many NGOs are absolutely helpless because right. uh, either they focus on a big case or they are absolutely not interested in what you're saying. Because obviously the donations they receive mm. come from sponsors. Right. And the sponsors can be the company uh, <laughs> yeah. who are blowing the whistle on. So obviously this is impossible. And I think, in my view, that what has to be changed is education. That within each uh, high school, each university, and whether right. you teach journalism mm. or you teach uh, science or you teach... Uh, finance. Yeah. 
there must be room for what is ethics. What is ethics in business? What is ethics in organization? Mm. What is ethics in politics? What is, and create a debate for the new generation, for the ones who's 20 years old today, who's a bit lost between the world we are mm. presenting them. And I feel very sorry when we mm. hear that if they are going to have babies, they are going to kill trees. I mean, we are in a very stressful environment in Europe. And I think that we will somehow get back on our legs when we teach uh, the young ones what's good, what's not, and how to think outside the box, how not to be, uh, how to ask questions, to be curious, not to swallow the information the way it is being given, to challenge them. I go to two or three universities, namely uh, HEC in Paris and Panthéon-Assas, which is uh, uh, the, the, the legal, uh, I mean, the, the law, uh, University of Law in Paris. And each time I challenge the people. And I said, for example, um, you've heard of, uh, of Boeing, you know, Boeing mm. had uh, two planes, 737 yep. MAX crashed. There were 12 whistleblowers at um, Boeing. So do not tell me that whistleblowers are mean people, that whistleblowers mm. are uh, have to be... Because those people all say that instead of blowing the whistle internally or going to the AFA, the Authority of Aviation, they should have gone to the media mm. because they will keep in mind until their death that somehow they're responsible for the deaths uh, of 400 people, of the crashes of two planes. Mm. So please, instead of saying that whistleblowers are, are bad people, mm. try to understand what we want to say. We all need a world of transparency. Transparency doesn't mean you know being naked in front of everybody. Mm. It's to know whether what you do is good for society, is it good for your clients mm. when you work in a company yeah. that sells medication or that sells food? Uh, are the products healthy when you see that all the banks in the US are collapsing the ones after the others? What about the money uh, of, the, of the clients? What about the accounts of the clients? Mm. Who, has, uh, who has to bear responsibility down the road? Mm. And you see that somehow mm. the UBS managers at who asked me to delete those files, who have um, been extremely um, light in terms of mm. compliance, etc. Those people are not in jail. Those people still work in the, in the banking business. They have either been promoted at UBS or they all work for competition. Yeah. Why do these people work inside companies and within the industries? And why was I put aside? And these are very good questions to yeah, ask. Definitely. So we all have a role to play. And mm. maybe, unfortunately, my role 15 years ago was to start initiating part of a process uh, for all of us to live somehow in a better world. Perfection yeah. is not human, but at least understand what's going on and what we can do. Mm. Because it's not only one Stephanie Gibo here, one Yasmin Motajemi there. We can change things. We have to all mm. be responsible yeah. and to have the courage because courage in France is not a value that's being recognized. If you have big muscles and you fight mm. and you're a bad man, you are being really like you impress everybody yeah. because everyone is scared.
Yeah. So it's also to explain all these uh, students and all the young ones how the brain works. Yeah. Why at UBS did everyone comply? Why did everyone toss the documents? That's, that's, yeah, yeah. No, thank you so much, Stephanie. So folks, that was my conversation with Stephanie Jibault. I hope you found my conversation and this episode helpful and interesting. And uh, I would appreciate if you can follow the show and subscribe and feel free to share with your colleagues, friends and family. And uh, I look forward to having you again with my other guests and see you then. Bye for now.